And this is Politics Friday on NPR News. I'm Mike Mulcahy. Thanks for tuning in today. Later in the hour, we'll hear some voices from this week at the Minnesota Capitol, and we'll check in with our political reporters for their analysis. But first, with a little more than two weeks to go, how does the legislative session look to the leaders of the Minnesota Senate? It's been a year of highs and lows for DFL Senate Majority Leader Carrie Deedzik. The Minneapolis DFLer took over as leader after her party won a razor-thin one-seat majority in last fall's election. She helped shepherd some early bills through, then got news no one wants in early March, a cancer diagnosis and surgery. Her recovery has left her working remotely for most of the time since. In fact, this week, for the first time since her surgery, Carrie Deedzik was back at the Capitol for some meetings and floor sessions. I spoke to her by phone yesterday afternoon and asked her how she's feeling. I'm doing good. I'm taking, you know, one day at a time. That was serious surgery that you had. Was it more serious than you expected? Uh, I, I went into the surgery. The doctors felt confident that they could get everything, but, to, you know, like a lot of surgeries, we didn't know what to expect. Um, so I was kind of surprised of, you know, I didn't expect to have to have an, you know, they did a splenectomy and an appendectomy along with a hysterectomy. So um wasn't expecting all of that, but glad that they got it all. Um, I'm now in chemo, so I'm following my doctor's advice and just taking one day at a time. And what are they saying? How are you doing? Um, I think good. They Again, they were positive and um, cautiously optimistic that they got it all. And it is a the most common type of ovarian cancer. And so they feel that the treatment protocols are well-known and good. So we're just, you know, moving along. And I'll remind people how important it is. Um, if they take anything out of this, go get their wellness checkups because it is so important. Yeah. Wow. You can say that again. You were back at the Capitol this week. How did that feel? Um, it was good to be back and see people in person. Um, it has been, I've gotten a lot of notes from a lot of my colleagues on both sides of the aisle and from staff and from a lot of the um, people that just show up at the Capitol a lot and um, just the general community. And it's been um, a lot of them have shared similar stories and their stories, and that has been inspirational and just motivated me to uh, get back to work to, you know, continue to help Minnesotans. Well, and for most people, I would think that would be more than enough to deal with, but you've also had to manage this legislative session. And I know that, you know, since we first uh, started talking last fall, that your style is to have conversations with people, to talk with people. Have you been able to do that even working remotely? Uh, it's been a lot of uh, phone calls, Zoom calls, kind of a flashback to during the pandemic, but we learned how to make it work during, you know, in the 2020-21 session. And so just had a lot of conversations with on the phone and over Zoom. Mm-hmm. So that's why it was nice to get back and actually see people in person, at least for part of the days. With the DFL in the majority by just one vote, 34 to 33, at least from the outside, it looks as if your caucus has really stuck together on just about all the major issues. How hard has it been to maintain that unity? So we have the most diverse caucus ever. We have members from the urban core. We have a lot of suburban members, a lot of new members. Um, we have the first three African-American women in the Senate. Um, and then we have members representing smaller rural communities. So we have, again, a very diverse caucus. Um, we understand that we have differences and that our districts have differences, 
But we also have learned in having conversations and really listening to each other that our communities are facing a lot of similar issues. You know, we've heard, you know, childcare is a big issue across the state. Housing affordability is a, is a big issue across the state. Food shelf visits are up. So we really want to, how do we help people in our individual districts that are also helping people across the state? So it's been, again, a lot of those conversations and really listening to each other to find solutions that work across Minnesota and help all Minnesotans. I'm sure you know that Republicans have been saying that the DFL is way out on a limb here, out of the mainstream, uh, going too far, too fast on everything from abortion to transgender-affirming care to taxes and spending to legal marijuana. How do you respond to criticism like that? Well, there was a lot packed in there, but I don't think listening to Minnesotans and addressing those issues that, again, the you know we've heard... Um, from our districts, like the lack of affordable housing or child care, um, the funding strong schools and safe communities, I don't think that's extreme. You know, and then we have brought Minnesotans t- to the table to discuss these bills. I think we had our first hearing on the third day. So the bills have been heard in committee. Um, they've been, you know, questions um, from members on both sides of the aisle. We've taken amendments from both sides of the aisle, and we have worked with the um, the advocates and the people who have concerns about the bills to, you know, hopefully find solutions to help all Minnesotans. Um, So I don't think that, I think we are doing what Minnesotans told us they want to do, they want us to do, and that is to end gridlock and to, you know, work on a balanced budget and get that deal done. Well, on taxes, the Senate passed a big bill this week. Uh, It includes a tax increase on some corporations that park assets overseas. Uh, Do you think... Minnesotans expected the DFL Senate to raise taxes, even with that big budget surplus, $17.5 billion. Again, there's a, you know, we've had some good conversations. I think if we look what is in the tax bill, again, it's the largest tax cut in history. It's $4 billion in tax cuts. It had rebates to put money back in the pockets of Minnesotans. It had, you know, we've heard a lot about the Social Security tax cuts, and this provides one point two. $4 billion in tax cuts for Minnesota seniors. It also had $2 billion in tax cuts and relief to help fund a child tax credit and relief for families dealing with those child care costs. Um, it also had public safety aid that will flow to communities across the state. So I think there was a lot in that tax bill that was part of a larger balanced budget that helps Minnesotans. And I know the House bill has an income tax increase on top earners that's not in the Senate bill. Do you think there will be any problem reconciling those two bills in conference committee? I think our chairs on um, in the House and Senate and the conference committees have had a lot of good conversations, and I know they're working on those right now. And I think, again, we have that goal, um, and I think the end goal is to what is the best way to help Minnesotans and find solutions to address those issues that we're hearing about, like child care, across Minnesota. What about a bonding bill? You tried to bring one up early on. Uh, The Republicans withheld their votes, and it didn't pass. It seems like there are conversations going on now to try to revive that. Do you think you'll be able to get uh, Republicans to come on board and vote for a bonding bill? I'm an optimist, and, you know, I'm always hopeful, and I know that um, Chair Pappas is having conversations with the minority lead, Karen Housley, and I know they're having good conversations. I have talked to Senator Johnson about this. Um, They're also talking to their House colleagues. And so, again, I'm an optimist, um, and I hope we can get it done, and we're working towards that goal. 
And there was more money uh, in the bill if it had been cash uh, rather than selling bonds. Is part of the discussion now what to do with that extra money if, in fact, it is a conventional bonding bill? Um, there was conversation in early in, in the beginning. We had a conversation. We were hoping that, you know, we had the tax bill. The $1.5 billion bonding bill was a bill that was put together last year that, you know, when the deal fell apart, we were trying to move that one early and then maybe do a second bonding bill. So we're kind of looking at what does this bonding bill look like? Mm-hmm. So that's part of those conversations that Senator Pappas and Senator Housley, Senator Fooley, or Representative Lee and Representative Erdahl are having. Another bill that passed in the House this week, and I believe is scheduled to come up in the Senate next week, is the bill that sets up the paid family leave program. Do you think that'll happen this year? Is there still time to get it done this session? I know our um, Dr. Elise Mann is the author in the Senate. She's had numerous conversations with um, a wide variety of people. And, you know, we're hopeful. Um, I will use my example, and I've talked to many people about this. Um, I'm in a unique position as a member of the Minnesota Senate where, you know, my doctors asked me, do you need it? You know, do you need a note basically from the doctor for time off? And I'm like, in my position, I am very fortunate. I don't need that time off. But that doesn't, not everybody has that, um, not everybody is that lucky. When I had my surgery, that my hospital roommate had similar surgery and she needed that note off. And she also um, wasn't sure how long she needed off and how long she could go without pay. So she could, you know, she didn't have five weeks of that. She didn't have a job that she could work remotely from. And she didn't have a job that she didn't have five weeks build up of, of leave time. And so how is she going to pay her bills? So I think this is something that um, we have a lot of companies here in Minnesota that offer it. And I've heard from many small businesses and medium-sized businesses that this is something that they, as a recruitment tool and retaining and recruiting employees, they would like to be able to offer, but they're just not able to. And I think this is something that will help all Minnesotans. And I think it benefits all Minnesotans. If we can, you know, from having a baby to having major surgery, I think it is important that people are able to stay home and not lose their house or run into a financial situation while they are recovering. Um, from either having a baby or major surgery or a major health issue. I think it helps all of us and it helps our economy. I wanted to get your reaction to something. As you know, some of the business groups are against this. Uh, The Chamber of Commerce, Minnesota Chamber of Commerce, put out a statement after the Senate passed its tax bill and the House passed the paid family leave bill this week. That statement said, in part, both of these bills are part of an anti-employer, anti-business agenda we've seen with single-party control this year. Does the Senate DFL have an anti-employer, anti-business agenda? I would say no. And a, um, a, a bunch of the large corporations that are located here in Minnesota already offered paid family leave. I don't believe that is an anti-business bill. I believe that is a pro-worker and business-friendly bill. Is there anything you wanted to get through, any major DFL Senate priority that isn't going to make it this year? Any uh, priorities you see that could be left behind by the time the session ends? You know, we're just still working hard. And, you know, I'm not going to, I don't have a crystal ball, but what you will see in the next few weeks is a lot of hard work to get things done. And how would you characterize what's been done so far, the work of this session? You know, I think we were 
ready to come to work. We heard Minnesotans tell us they're tired of gridlock. We were ready to come to work on day one. We have been working hard since day one, and we're going to continue that through the end of session, trying to find solutions that help Minnesotans afford their lives. Senate Majority Leader Carrie Deedzik of Minneapolis, thanks so much for coming on today. We wish you all the best with your health and your recovery. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And we continue now with our Friday politics program. As time in the legislative session starts to run short, Republicans in the Minnesota Senate are feeling outnumbered because they are outnumbered, but only by one vote. The DFL has a 34 to 33 majority in the Senate. And so far, at least, the Democrats have managed to stick together to pass their agenda. That, I am sure, is frustrating for my next guest, Mark Johnson of East Grand Forks, is the Republican minority leader in the Minnesota Senate. Senator Johnson, thanks for coming by. Well, thank you for having me on again. Really appreciate the time with you. Uh, I heard you say this week that Republicans have been completely shut out, at least on the tax bill, and that Democrats are dictating their agenda to Minnesota. On these big bills, taxes, the budget, all the spending, are Republicans having any input at all? You know, it's been very, very limited to this point. Not not much substantive conversations have been had between uh, the two parties, which for me, it, it's pretty um, pretty disappointing to see because we do represent nearly 50% of the state. We've talked about that a little bit before. The Senate is, is split 33-34. Uh, we ended up on the short end uh, by one vote, and it's as if the, they've got, you know, 20 or 30 more votes than we do at this point. But the reality is Minnesota is a very split state right now, uh, very purple, they call it, you know, because you have a little red, you have some blue. Uh, but we're not seeing that bipartisan collaboration that we've seen in, in many years past. So that's been a real change in the Minnesota State Senate and, and something that I hope that we can get back together and start working as a united front once again. I did hear uh, some of your members during that tax debate say that um – they kind of liked parts of the bill, that even though none of them voted for it on the first round there. Right. And they said that if if some things could be changed in conference committee, some of them might support it. What specifically are those things in the tax bill that Republicans don't like? Well, well let's go back and we'll set the table a little bit in the situation. We started off this session with about a $19 billion surplus. Uh, Democrats and Republicans campaigned on tax cuts, getting that money back to people. Uh, that deserve it, right? So we've we've designed this whole session trying to figure out ways to get that money back to people, and yet we get this tax bill. And one of the biggest asks that both sides were looking for was the full elimination of Social Security income tax uh, or income benefits. And so when you look at the bill, there's a there's a little bit in there, but the reality is there isn't very much going back to Minnesotans. A little rebate, you know, there's a small rebate that might be able to fill up your your car and you can buy some groceries with. Uh, And then the small amount in Social Security tax exemption that will help uh, some folks. But the reality is we've got all this money. They've they've spent $19 billion worth of the surplus. There's tax increases within uh, the tax bill. And then they're planning on spending all that too. If you look across uh, the bills that are out there, there's nearly $9 billion of tax increases to Minnesotans when we started off the session with this huge surplus. Uh, to me, this is this is crazy. Most Minnesotans should be looking at this and say, what is going on in St. Paul? Because this is going to affect not only, you know, mom and pops, but this is going to affect school districts. This is going to affect our, you know, businesses. This is going to affect folks all across the state in a negative way. 
how do we attract people to the state? One of the issues we have here is that we're not growing like other states are. And what we're telling people is, hey, if you move to Minnesota, we're going to tax you like crazy. Hey, if a business wants to expand in Minnesota, we're going to tax you like crazy and make it so difficult that you're going to want to move over to a different state. Hmm. This is going to be a long-term detrimental uh, bill and, and overall the whole session is going to be very detrimental to the long-term impact or you know, long-term uh, outlook of Minnesota. I'm sure if a Democrat were here, they'd say, well, yeah, but the people will also look at, we'll have a paid family leave program and we'll have uh, tax credits for uh, child care and for raising kids and that will attract people here. And, and we're doing things like, uh, um, making uh, abortion legal and making a transgender health care legal that other states are are banning. And so that'll make people move here. Do you not agree with that? So when we were out campaigning over the last year, none of those things that you just mentioned were top-tier items in our campaigns with, with the other side. We saw it was tax relief, it was about uh, public safety and education. Those are the bread and butter subjects that Minnesotans are looking for right now and trying to find solutions to make sure that their kids are reading at grade level, that they can go out to the, the Twins game and not have to think about, well, what happens if my car gets jacked out here in the street? Those are the bread and butter issues, and we have no real solutions for uh, for those types of things that Minnesotans were asking for. So I, I hear what you're saying. But those are a distraction to what the real problems that that our families are facing across the state. And that's the huge disappointment that that I think a lot of us feel here is there hasn't been that bipartisan cooperation on addressing the needs that we have. Uh, I know that Republicans did try earlier in the session to put some pressure on the Democrats on taxes by withholding the votes on the bonding bill. Correct. Um, Is there a deal now on the bonding bill? Will Republicans support that bill at this point? Well, there is there's some uh, conversations that are taking place, which typically do you know this time of year when when the pressure is on, the end is near, and all of a sudden uh, things need to come together. And so we've always said from the beginning we want to see a bonding bill that invests in Minnesota's infrastructure, and I think we've got the vehicle uh, to do that, that. That's now back into the finance committee, and, and we've got some really good discussions that are going on. And I'm hoping that we can move that ball forward within the next week or so. Uh, in a way that that really shows that we're investing in Minnesota in, in Minnesota in a responsible way, and I think we can do that. So, did the um, that effort to sort of face them down on that not really work? Oh, I you know this is an ongoing conversation right now, and, and we want to make sure that we're involved with that, and and this make sure that we're part of the the end conversation and on the needs that we have across Minnesota. If we would have done this earlier on. Uh, we would have just been, you know, uh, sitting there on the sideline watching what happens towards the end of the session. So this will help to probably navigate some of the end policy at the end of the day. So I'm, 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 it was great for the team. It allows us to, to kind of understand what our district's needs are. Uh, it was way too early to start voting on that back in March. Now, this is kind of inside baseball, but the Democrats had set aside a bunch of money in case they had to do a bonding bill uh, cash only because you you folks weren't voting for it. So if you do vote for it and it becomes a bonding bill where the money is borrowed through the sale of bonds, it, it frees up that cash. Is there, a, is there a deal on how to spend that cash or what to do with it? Again, that's, that's a great point. So in their target, I think they have 2.2 or $2.3 billion of cash uh, theoretically parked in that 
uh, area. And so that's that's part of the whole conversation that we're having now. What happens if we free up more money for this bonding bill? Where is that going to go? Is that going to go to uh, the needs of Minnesota, like nursing homes that you see are really struggling across the state? Uh, is there a way that we can invest and make sure that our nursing facilities are, are viable? Is there a way that we can invest in, in our education in a way that's, that makes sense? Is there a way that we can invest in Minnesotans who are paying high, high taxes, one of the highest in the nation? How do we put that money to make sure the Minnesota families get more in their pocket? So that's all wrapped up into that $2.3 billion that's sitting there in the target and and in the bonding bill itself. So we'll see what that looks like. But, you know, within the last couple of days, um, really had some uh, fruitful conversations uh, across the aisle. And so that's what I'd like to see. That's what Minnesotans are asking for. And and so it's great to see that, that come back a little bit. So what I'm hearing you say is no deal yet, but at least on this one you're talking. Yeah, we are. Absolutely. So, Okay. Um, let me ask you about the bill that passed uh, last week uh, to legalize marijuana, which uh, the Democrats, all the Democrats voted for it in the Senate, none of the Republicans. Um, what's the objection to, the, to that bill? And are you concerned at all that, you know, it does sort of appeal to the younger generation? And if Republicans are seen as opposing it, it kind of closes some doors in the future. Sure. And it might. Uh, I think it's a, a bipartisan, uh, you know, issue where we've got a lot of Republicans that that see, you know, a regulation of that that market as something government shouldn't be doing. The other side sees it clearly as something that they need to be doing as well. But you know, when we look at just the merits of that bill that day, um, that's where we have some trouble. When you have fourteen or fifteen different licenses to be involved with that marijuana market? Do you have a tax rate that will probably drive people into the black market and not into the legal market? The whole bill itself, uh, we didn't offer amendments because the the whole structure of it was so poorly written that how how do we make this so it's a functioning market that helps Minnesotans and keeps Minnesotans safe on the streets and in schools? This bill simply did not do it. And so a vote against this bill doesn't mean that we can't have future conversations. But but the idea that this is the one that, that Minnesota should be passing was, in my mind and in our caucuses, was kind of ridiculous because there was just so much that needed to be uh, fixed in this. It wasn't ready for prime time. Well, let me bring up one issue that I touched on before, and that is that in a num- number of other states that have Republican legislatures, Republican governors, we're seeing things like uh, bans on abortion after a certain number of weeks. We're seeing uh, bans on uh, transgender uh, care, health care uh, for folks. Um, if Republicans were, had been in charge here this year, would we have seen those kind of measures passing in Minnesota? Uh, I, you know, that's a theoretical that, that there's so many variables that are involved with that one. Uh, that I can't, I, I can't even venture a guess on that. But the, the reality is, what we what we need to do is focus on what the needs of Minnesota are, and so that's where I hope that we can do. Uh, you know, if, if in a couple of years we're blessed to take over the majority, is making sure that things like education, public safety, you know, making sure that tax rates are low so families can live and thrive in the state. Those are the bread and butter issues that we need to really be focusing on at this point. So, just a couple weeks left to go in the session. Uh, what is Thank a, goodness, yes. yes. <laughs> what does a good outcome look like to you? Well, we've seen a lot of the, the major social issue bills uh, pass recently. Now we've seen the, the big omnibus bills uh, go through their first iteration of, of this. I think there's a couple other things that are hanging out there that I hope we have uh, some influence on. Paid family medical leave is one that's coming up. 
again, another large burden, just the way that the structure of the bill is on our families and, and businesses across the state. I'm hoping that we can do some some compromise on that to make sure it's a better bill at the end of the day. There are another n- number of things that are still coming up that we might have uh, an opportunity to talk about. Still hoping to talk taxes and some other things as well. But uh, at this point, um, you know, making sure that we're investing correctly in Minnesota and in the infrastructure and the long-term viability of the state is something that gets me really excited about. And what's the worst outcome that you see that is possible this session? Uh, there's there's a number of variables there. I, I don't want to venture because you guess the worst thing and then it could go worse than that. So I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going there. But no, it's uh, the thing that I, I hope that doesn't happen is Minnesota Senate is known for the relationships that they have within it. Uh, you know, typically it doesn't matter what party. I mean, you, you've seen in the last few years there's really strong relationships between Democrats and Republicans on trying to get things through that that really help out Minnesota and. It feels like we've lost that. And I hope that that's not permanent damage within the institution, but that we can start having those conversations and not worrying, hey, they're a Democrat, they're a Republican, but what's the best idea going forward? And, and right now it feels like we've lost that, but I'm really hoping that that's something that we can recover. And, and so the worst outcome is that those relationships get so fractured that we can't move forward from this point. Senator Mark Johnson of East Grand Forks, the Republican Minority Leader of the Minnesota Senate, thanks so much for coming by today. Thank you for the offer. I appreciate the time. This is NPR News. I'm Mike Mulcahy, and here are some of the voices we heard this week at the state capitol. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Maka'agawai Keith Ellison. I'm your brother, uh, and uh, it's such an honor to be with you. This is a wonderful day. It is a day for celebration. It's a day for giving thanks. The Somali community has truly added to Minnesota and made it a better place. And I want to say, Bahat Senate, to all of you. It's also a day to remember challenges because we'll never forget when the Bloomington Mosque was attacked in a terrorist attack. I know you have not forgotten and I'm not going to forget. And I'm going to remind this society every day that the Somali community must enjoy equal protection under the law and that safety and the services of safety are the property and the right of the Somali community. And we cannot stand this terrorism. Governor Walls, I'm asking you to listen to more than just one side of the aisle on this issue. Listen to the businesses. Listen to the employees that don't want a tax. Listen to flexibility. And if you'll do that again, you might make the right decision to veto a bill, but also to say, let's work on it some more or take this into deeper conversations. We still have three weeks left. We're talking about something that everyone else has figured out. And if we want to keep people in the labor force, we have to ensure that there's actual pathways uh, that are available in order for them uh, to do that. This change in law now puts in 24 weeks of treatment that will be available. And I need not convince anybody on this committee that we're at a critical juncture uh, in this state with public safety. And our main goal in making sure that these officers uh, receive treatment is we need them back. We need them back to work. We need them back in the squad car. That is 
the main reason why we are uh, so supportive of this bill. This bill targets disabled first responders who cannot fight back, largely due to the very nature of our disabilities. There's a reason there are not more people speaking against this. And it's not because we don't care or this isn't affecting us. It's because this is requiring a lot of strength and bravery. I ran into burning buildings. I've done amazing things. And this is the scariest thing I've ever done. And it's requiring the most bravery. This bill will prolong the service of members who are no longer fit for duty and make recruitment efforts even harder than they already are. It's dangerous. How much is enough? How much tax dollars is it going to cost to save and solve every problem in the state? And you think you're protecting workers? I don't need your protection. I don't want it. I'd prefer to let the employers make the decision because they're obviously a lot more prudent with our dollars than you are. You're like a drunk on a spending spree. Um, I find it really helps to read the bill and uh, you can get a lot of answers there. Representative Davids. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. I don't read bad bills. I just know they're bad. I just know they're very bad. Just some of the voices we heard at the state capitol this week, and we will finish our Friday politics program today the way we usually do, by checking in with our political reporters, Brian Baxt and Dana Ferguson, who are are with me in the studio. Thanks for coming by, you guys. Hey, glad to be here, Mike. Thanks for having us. Uh, Dana, let me start with you. The uh, Minnesota Reformer had a story this morning that uh, the Mayo Clinic has sent an email to the governor and to some key legislators saying that it doesn't like some of the changes in the big health care budget policy bill. And if it uh, doesn't get some changes, it's going to take some of its investments out of the state. And that's a lot of money, right? That's right. Um, We're following up on some of that reporting today from the reformer, but Mayo Clinic essentially came to lawmakers and the governor and said, if you don't remove two of these provisions from the health omnibus bill, we're taking our investments elsewhere. Um, That could total about four times the amount of the U.S. Bank Stadium in terms of money potentially leaving the state. There's been a whole lot of fallout today from the nurses union, which backed one of the bills, state lawmakers who are dealing with this. And the governor told reporters, myself included today, that they're still in negotiations, hopeful they can figure something out before the final budget bill passes. And Brian Baxt, it seems like this is the time of the year when uh, some of the big employers in the state, like Mayo Clinic and others, might want to flex their muscles a little bit about what uh, the DFL majorities have been doing in the legislature. Yeah, this is the time when these big budget decisions are being made. And as we've talked about, including today, the margins at the Capitol are slim. So it doesn't take many lawmakers to kind of tip an issue. And so there's been a lot of talk. Today, there was a, a group of uh, retailers and some folks from uh, very civic groups and, and other places who were pushing back against that delivery fee in the transportation bill. And of course, that passed the House, but not the Senate. That's yeah, one of the 75 cents. 75 cents on, on a lot of items, not all items, but a lot of items and food deliveries. And so that's another one of the big things we're watching as these negotiations proceed. If that falls out, does something take its place because it's supposed to fund transportation for the long term? So we'll see. And and sort of a, another flashpoint on this is that uh, paid family and medical leave mm-hmm. uh, program that the House passed this week. Um, the Senate, we think, is going to debate that next week? On Monday. Right. 
Um, Dana, uh, that's a big bill and an expensive one. Just remind us what it does. Yeah. So under at least the House version of the bill, the state would create a paid family medical leave program. Workers and employers would pay into it through a payroll tax. And then if you had a baby or got sick or needed to take care of a loved one, you could take some time and get partial payment back for taking that time off. It has spurred uh, a lot of blowback from the business community as we've talked about a little bit and expecting to hear quite a bit of opposition in the next couple days. It's expected to come up for a Senate vote on Monday, and it's not exactly clear what a compromise would look like between both chambers in terms of how much leave uh, somebody could take in a year. Brian, a lot of stuff moving. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is sort of the, it feels like kind of the last big piece that the Democrats want to pass. Um, A lot of bills in conference committee right now, these budget bills, you know, uh, and just setting aside this outside pressure for a minute. Is there anything in these conference committees right now that looks like it could be derailed because of disagreements between the House and Senate? Well, I mentioned the delivery fee is one. There's a lot of discussion around some of these other taxes that are in the tax bill and other bills. One of them is the fifth tier income tax on on incomes above a million dollars for married filers. Mm -hmm. And that's not in the Senate bill. The Senate tax chair has been pretty adamant that she's not in favor. Both bills did have this global business reporting tax, which, you know, deals with money that some companies park overseas through subsidiaries and such. That one's getting a lot of external pushback. I wouldn't be surprised to see that one go away or at least be modified to some degree. Okay. But those wouldn't necessarily be deal killers and take the whole bill down with them, right? No, but they you'd need to find some money to replace it because a lot of these bills are built on how much money is available to spend and then where it might go. Uh, one key difference in, in the bills uh, in education is whether they tag that to inflation, the, the per-student classroom formula, whether that's that will go up automatically in years to come. The House and the governor want to do it. The Senate is not there yet. That's one where, you know, a key decision will be made. A lot of these big decisions, they'll get kicked up to leadership and the governor in the end. Mm -hmm. It used to be when government was divided that at that stage, these bills would either live or die. We're assuming that the Democrats will work something out and most of these bills in some form will pass, right? I, I would assume so. It's even in sometimes when there have been one party rule of the legislature, there's there's some friction, but we haven't seen that friction just yet. There's a lot of uh, collegial relationships between the negotiators that we've seen so far, and I would expect that will continue until the toughest parts of the decisions come. Mm-hmm. And Dana, the governor signed a bill today uh, that changes election laws, right? That's right. Yeah, he signed into law a proposal that will allow for 16 and 17-year-olds to pre-register to vote, let folks go on permanent absentee voting status, and create an automatic voter registration system. Uh, the Secretary of State said some of those changes are expected to take effect in the next few months, if not in 2024. So going to see some of that take effect pretty soon. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye on it. You guys will keep an eye on it. Thanks so much for coming by today. That's Dana Ferguson, Brian Baxt, our reporters at the Minnesota Capitol.
I'm Mike Mulcahy. Thanks for listening to the Politics Friday podcast on NPR News. If you want to catch the show live on the radio, tune in each Friday at noon. Join us for interviews with lawmakers and conversations about what's been happening at the Capitol and beyond.